0: It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Weimar Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, SW Bait & Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Ice Sports Custom Fish Houses, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, Your Truck Accessory Pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors. Brian Moon.
1: And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk a lot about crappies, bluegills, perch. Brian Brosdal will join us, as will uh, Jason Durham. And we'll also talk a little bit about the elk population here in Minnesota and where that's at. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off Always a treat to have Brian Bro Brosdahl join us, and uh, he drops by this week, and we've got a variety of things to uh, talk to Bro about. First off, uh, welcome back to the show, bro. Hey, thanks for having me. We're going to talk a little bit about some uh, panfish tactics, but uh, first I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on perch fishing, bro. Oh,
2: perch perch are a wonderful fish. Uh, You know, morning and evenings, uh, crappies bite, but perch bite during the day. That's why I like them. I like action, and uh, you know when you go perch fishing, you're going to catch a lot of fish perch don't get really huge so a a good uh, jumbo perch is anything over 10 inches up to 13 inches and uh, these are a volume fish and they're really popular with out-of-staters because it's the only fish that we have that you could have a double limit you could have 20 a day 40 possession and uh, they're tremendously popular and uh, they're they're wonderful eating we all know that dakotas have great perch too but they're they boomer bust. You go there, you go there and, uh, and scratch out. Uh, they do have some giants, but we have consistent jumbo perch uh, factories. I would call it Lake Winnipegosh, Leech Lake. There's, it takes so much to grow big perch, and uh, in Wisconsin, Green Bay used to have big perch. It was rivaled by no other body of water. They had giants, but uh, their population crashed, and uh, their traditions were uh, eating perch and and uh, so they they have to travel to get them, and they do have a few lakes like Madison Chain and all that that have a few jumbo perch, but not like ours. Their jumbo perch there are the ones that we throw back here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you had said too, I mean, through the years, our, our bag limits have changed, and so things have had to evolve a little bit.
2: Oh yeah, they. This was the mecca for them uh, for anybody co- coming out of state because we had no limits at our perch, and quite honestly, very few Minnesotans that I know even targeted perch. Perch were a nuisance. They'd steal your bait while you're fishing for crappies or walleyes and uh, and sometimes didn't uh, get received very well when they were caught in a boat or through the ice. And uh, I, I remember in the past, just like eel pout used to litter the lakes. You'd drive around, you'd see eel laying all over the lakes, and now they don't because everybody loves them. You used to see perch littered all over the lakes. And I'm going back not, not 10 years, but 20 years ago, there was big perch all over the lakes just laying there. And then I think it, it took basically it took Wisconsin and, and Iowa showed us that hey these these are uh, something good and uh, they're like a little and, and, and uh, Illinois is, they really love perch but our, our our tourism showed us that how tremendously popular the perch are and plus if you do get out out of state and you look in the, the fish markets perch are almost twice as much as a walleye so it's amazing and then uh, now. There's more Minnesotans than ever, but still our, our biggest population in what I call the March Perch Madness is uh, Wisconsin, and they love them and uh, and uh, they they know the area well. But uh, I, I get a lot of phone calls for uh, big jumbo perch, and uh, they're they're fun because while you're fishing for the right sized perch, you're catching other ones. It's it's a high volume deal. You, you get a lot of bites and a lot of action to get the right ones, and you set your mark on what size you want to keep and then you just kind of grind through fish all day. The lakes are always changing, and uh, sometimes when, when perch are targeting themselves, perch are actually cannibals. They eat young-of-the-year perch, and they also eat shiners, whatever. They're opportunists. When they are targeting young-of-the-year perch, they'll hit spoons. They love spoons, and that's because they're chasing minnows. So spoons uh, like a, uh, a small 30-second-old buckshot or a forage, a, a forage fry, uh, are probably the most popular perch baits ever. And uh, some of the classic colors, gold has always been a tried-true color in the area, but, uh, you know, with the with all these glow colors uh, in different colors, I would say the, the newest hot one would be day-glow perch. It's a, it's a glowing perch pattern. Any kind of fire tiger. And then puppet minnows, uh, which are just like a chicken wrap, all that stuff. in fire tiger that represents perch or anything else – they love it, and, but if they're not chasing young of your perch, if they're not chasing minnows and they're eating insects, that's where, uh, you can get by. You're not so much, you're not using a minnow head on a spoon, you're using bug. One of the first things I designed, uh, over 15 years ago at Northland Tackle looks like a, a larvae coming out of the, out of the mud. And they, they eat mayfly larvae. They eat, uh, bloodworms, or anything else that uh, comes out of there, and if they're on a bug bite, you could you could do really well using plastics uh, and uh, any of the bug collection I designed. And then there's other times where you just uh, bring bring wax worms, uh, bring spikes, which are uh, maggots or eul larvae you can call them, a small bait uh, for uh, cold front conditions, and then uh, size up when you can. But there are times when you can't beat a minnow, a minnow on a hook. Uh, They love uh, 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 medium-sized fatheads, and you'll go into bait shops, they'll have fatheads for walleyes, they'll have crappie minnows, and the middle-sized dace, or fathead, is a perch mix. Just hanging a a minnow on a uh, small red hook, or you could try different colored hooks themselves, and even a drop shot. I like to use drop shots and set rods on uh, buckets. And and I actually designed a rod specifically for perch fishing, and and on a bucket, it's a it's a 28-inch dead stick, and it, it's got a noodle tip, so the fish could hit it, and you don't need a bobber because the tip moves. It gives, and then uh, you got time to get to it to set the hook. But drop shots or a split shot on a hook on the nice days. Um, and then also just move it around. I always say that, you know, in perch fishing, if you could just bucket weather is great. You go whole hop, sit on a bucket. Even in a fish house, if, if, if you want to sit in one spot, it's the only fish you know that the schools are going to come through Several times in a day, and you don't even have to chase them.
1: So, as far as aggressively, do you want to jig aggressively? Does that help your chances, or if you just want to stare at a bobber, is that okay too? And both of those work.
2: Oh yeah, uh, both work. I have a I have a guide friend that when I go and I I drill out a lake, he tends to go really slow and sit in a hole. And you know sometimes I I'll come back and he's still in the same hole, but. The, it complements my style because I'm gone. I drill too much and I'm all over the place. Well, he'll start. Catch, some days he'll catch more sitting on a good contact point, a good uh, area, a good inside turn, or, or uh, just the right feature. N- nothing's uh, super sharp, just a gradual break, and uh, he'll he'll be hammering them. So sometimes sitting is better. It's not all about cutting the ice from one end to the other. That's nice if it's slow and you want to go pick off fish faster you know, running a string of holes. But we don't have to have a, uh, a drill-a-thon to see who can drill the most holes. Just drill a dozen holes in a zigzag pattern and work your way through them. And, and you'll find that there will be one spot where you'll keep catching fish in that same hole, and that's the place we set up the house. It's no different than when I'm walleye fishing or crappie fishing. There will be one spot that will hold the perch better than the others. And that you'll look with an aqua view under the water to see what's there, and it looks pretty much the same, but it's their travel route. From wherever they're coming, they'll, they'll come through an area. Uh, we've written stories, cryptic cruising lanes and all these different mitigating factors which uh, perch travel. And they, when, when they do come out of the basin of the lake and they do head into the food shelves, there are certain areas where they just keep showing up over and over. And when you find those spots, that's a spot you could, you could drop a house and catch them every time. Perch love Flats uh Chara flats, which is a skeletal fragment and algae that grows on the bottom, they actually spawn in it, eelpo also spawn in it, uh gravel bottom areas, uh old weed beds they're in these areas because there's there's bloodworms bloodworms feed on dying weeds, and bloodworms are tiny, they look like a little angle worm, but super micro, and when the perch eat them, they'll cough cough them up in the hole or mayfly. so somewhere near the basin. The first contact points near a basin, and where you where you catch them in, around opener day, they're not far from the where you're, you're at. You can actually see the area usually from where you catch them. You'll catch walleyes on the walleye spawning areas, but the the perch have the weedy areas nearby. Those fish aren't far from there uh, from now till spring, and uh, they just ramp up more and more deep water when there's a cold front. Uh and uh they're they're gonna slowly start moving out of deep water, but on Lake Winnipegosh you don't have to go really hyper deep. Uh they used in the past we were known chasing the fish in the twenty eight to thirty fours, but now it's been more the eighteen to twenty one. Right on that edge, just like a walleye break line, or you would drag a leech or a walleye, uh near near the weed beds, that's where the perch are hanging on uh, Bemidji, Winnipegosh and Leech Lake. And Leech Lake has more shallow flats. So they'll roam but you can uh, definitely get on them. And uh, when you're in, in the area, stop by in the bait shops. They'll, they'll send you in the right direction. And then from there, you know, they're not going to say go to this hole. But if they give you an area, you know you can find them. And uh, I, I would say if you have uh, four guys or so, you, you spread out. You know, do two in one spot, two in another, or, or completely spread out on the ice. If you watch how the Wisconsin guys fish, they're never next to each other. They are spread across the lake. And they all have orange clothing.
3: (laughs) They're deer hunting
2: clothing. uh, But they find them every time. And uh, I'll tell you. uh, So, yeah, there's nothing better than getting out and catching some perch. And then another uh, fish to chase, crappies. The crappies, it seems to me, from uh, western Minnesota to Duluth and everything in between, there's some great year classes of crappies coming up. Even as far away as Osakis, you know, that's that's. Not in our area, but I just want to let you know. There are crappies all over the place. In uh, great year classes, some lakes, uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, 11-inch crappies and some 12s and 13s here and there, but uh, that's generally not the rule. So uh, it's it's kind of exciting having good populations of crappies back. And uh, uh, they had uh, some good, good hatches here, uh, good spawns. Uh, several years ago, and now they're in our lakes uh, really well. Uh, so we got another fish to target. They're fun, they're shallow, and you can catch them right under the ice in shallow bays. They'll move up in there. I, I try to tell people just to be cautious. Take your ten and be done with it. Don't uh, don't sort fish in deep water. If, this, if a small one comes up, that's the one you keep. Even though they swim away, they they bleed internally and they're dead. So crappies do not sort in deep water. They come up shallow you know, then you can immediately release a fish, but uh, uh, earlier winter, January through uh, March, they tend to be a little bit deep.
1: Any special tactic there, uh, bro, that you like to use for crappies this time of year?
2: Oh, I love using plastics for crappies. One of my favorite is uh, is uh, the water bug, and then the, the slug bug in a, a Impulse Plastics by Northland, uh, and then, of course... It, the bro bughead it's kind of a funny name but easy to remember the bro bughead or the bro bug uh just add the plastic to it the plastic tail and water bug is really cool it looks like a little frog a flat frog and uh you wouldn't think it would be great for crappies we hammer them on that thing they just love the shape of it it's a home run i've used it even when i'm traveling uh for work uh, in the mid-south i catch them on that water bug. i catch them anywhere anywhere in minnesota down in the Mississippi River to uh, where I live, to Duluth, to Brainerd area, that water bug is a home run, so stock up on it at your local shop. But try that on a bug head, or just get a thirty-second ounce jig. You want a, a longer hook, it's a bigger bait, and you'd be surprised. Even in the heart of winter when people are using tiny baits, I drop the water bug, and the crappies have no problem eating it. So that's something to check
1: out. That's uh, uh, Brian Brosdahl. People want to get a hold of you, Brian, and maybe check you out, see what you're up to. What's the easiest way to do that?
2: The best thing is Facebook. Uh, check me out at uh, Brian Brosdahl Promotions on Facebook.
1: Bro, thanks a ton. I appreciate it. All, all kinds of great information there. I uh, can't wait to talk to you again, okay? Hey, thanks for having me. More of Branded Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Special treat this week, gentlemen we haven't talked to in quite some time, but I thought I'd reach out to him and chat about a little pan fishing, and that is uh, Jason Durham with Go Fish Guide Service and a well-known kindergarten teacher as well. Jason, welcome back to the show.
4: Hey, thanks for having me on, Brian.
1: Yeah, what's harder to deal with uh, when you're you're guiding people that don't know what they're doing when they're fishing or kindergartners?
4: Uh, <laughs>
1: or one and the same, maybe.
4: <laughs> it's, a, it's a toss-up. But at the same time, I've got 22 kids in my classroom, so 22 5- and 6-year-olds when I'm guiding, you know, I might only have up to five people in the boat. But uh, the one thing that's relative is you have to have a lot of patience.
1: That would make sense. Now, uh, we're catching you, Jason. You're actually out on the ice doing a little fishing right now, right?
4: I am. You know, since uh, we've got an hour more of daylight now with the daylight savings time, it's really easy to go out after school. You can go home and have dinner and then come out fishing, and there's still plenty of daylight. I mean, you can see until 8 o'clock at night. I like to get really aggressive, and I fish big. You know, last night I was out, um, actually up on Mantrap Lake, and there's just a a huge abundance of crappies out there. There's a lot of small fish, but there's some really nice crappies out there as well. Um, I was using the rod that I typically use to catch eel pout. So I'm talking 17-pound braided line. And I wasn't running a fluorocarbon leader or anything like that. I wasn't trying to be shy about what I was doing. And bright fluorescent green line, um, and then using a a spoon like the size that you would typically use for walleye fishing, and just trying to get those bigger fish to bite. And uh, just had a phenomenal night last night. In fact, uh, I didn't even use bait on my hook, if that gives you any indication of how aggressive the fish were.
1: Do you like to be aggressive in your jigging as well?
4: Oh, yeah. When I'm using a spoon, I'm using a motion I've said this so many times, it's like putting salt on your steak. So it's just shaking it. And and you can control the spoon better by having your rod tip tilted down towards the pole or, as you raise it up, have it pointed up more. But if you have it flat, straight out in front of you, you can't control that jigging motion quite as good. So, like I say, you're shake, 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 and you'll gradually lift the rod up. And when I get to the, you know, just a couple feet below the hole, I just let it free fall right back to the beginning. And a lot of times, those crappies this time of year, they'll either hit it on that fall, or as you're moving it up in a way, doing that cat and mouse motion.
1: Do you think that's one of the biggest mistakes anglers make? Uh, what they call cadence they're not they're not as far repetitive with their cadence. Or do you like to mix that up every now and then?
4: You know, I do mix it up some, and it's not so much about repetition; it's about control. And if, if for anglers that don't fish a lot, you know, you don't quite have that that rhythm down, or or just the how would I say, the minuteness of the movements that you need to make. Um, And and that just comes with time and practice. But I see people ice fishing, you know, very, very often on guide trips where they they simply jig too much. So you have to remember these fish, they're used to seeing microscopic organisms and, and feeding on those, and so a little motion goes a long way when you're jigging.
1: And would you say the same thing if people are going after bluegills or maybe even perch, would you use some of the same tactics or do you change that up a little bit?
4: No, I absolutely use the same tactics. The only thing is, like using a jigging spoon with bluegills, a lot of times the crappies, for instance, will come up and they'll smash the spoon as you're moving it up. They'll just inhale it. And a lot of times what you're feeling is the absence of the weight of the spoon. You're not actually feeling the fish pull away from you. You're feeling it lift up. With bluegills, they don't, they don't necessarily hit it as often when the spoon's moving. So you see the fish come in on your vexlar, It's suspended right under your bait. You have to stop. So you stop jigging and then they're going to hit that spoon.
1: And would something like that scare off perch or would that work too?
4: Oh no that definitely works for perch. The only difference with perch is I uh, come into contact with the bottom much more often than I do with fishing you know, bluegills and crappies but you know those fish will start to move up in the water column too but you know depending on time of day the lake you're on there's a lot of variables to it but a lot of times I'm pounding that spoon on the bottom. I mean in the summertime. We're constantly coming into contact with the bottom with our jigs, but ice fishing a lot of times anglers are reluctant to hit the bottom it 's almost like they think we have to have our bait suspended somewhere between the ice and the weeds or the sand, but definitely cause a ruckus down there on the bottom
1: and one last uh, last couple of things, Jason, while we got you here. Um, you mentioned briefly pouton and. Do you guys up where you fish and stuff? Uh, that seems to be kind of the new hip thing for people to fish for now. Do you have some pretty good pout fishing up that way?
4: Yeah, we really do. There's a number of lakes that, that have yield pout, and, uh, you know, it's becoming more and more popular. I mean, you look at, like, Matt Brewer, for instance. You know, he's really the guy that got all of this going um, in our area. And so much fun to catch. You know, this time of year, you can go home, you can, you know, put the kids to bed, uh, pay some bills, and then go out fishing. The toughest part is because the fish are right in the middle of spawning right now, really aggressive, high numbers of fish biting, and uh, it's hard to pull yourself away to go home and go to bed.
1: <laughs> That's always tough. It's a struggle sometimes with that.
4: <laughs> it It is.
1: One last thing, Jason, I uh, came across an article and then a video that you put out uh, about some people that maybe when they catch bluegills and they notice them black specks that are on there. And I'm, I'm sure some people have made that somewhat concerning. You kind of uh, took us through what exactly those are.
4: Yeah, I did a lot of research on this uh, with fisheries biologists because I, I got asked about it so often. And, I, you know, having a teaching background, I, I love science. And so it was really appealing and educational for me. But so those spots, it's called black miascus, and it's actually a parasite. So the life cycle of it is that the eggs develop in the bellies of fish-eating birds, like great blue herons. And the birds end up going to the bathroom uh, into the lake, and those eggs fall down to the bottom. And then they're picked up and carried around by snails. Now, eventually, the organism hatches, and it's free swimming in the water. It will attach to the sides of the fish and start to burrow through the skin but then they typically don't make it i have seen times where i've seen black miascus in the meat of fish uh but then that black spot that you see is actually a cyst it's in a dormant stage And then the fish-eating birds eat the fish again, and the whole cycle starts all over. So it's not harmful to humans as long as you cook your fish, even if the black spots were in the meat. Uh, Just think of it as extra protein. Uh, (laughs) But you'll see that much more commonly in lakes that have a lot of uh, um, aquatic habitat for birds uh, and those fish-eating birds. So like I say, it's not a bad thing doesn't make the fish look as pretty for pictures, uh, but it's not harmful.
1: And like you said, yeah, just make sure your fish is cooked properly. You should be good to go. Exactly. So there you go. Some very interesting stuff. Jason Durham, he is with uh, Go Fish Guide Service. Great to have him on the show this week. Uh, Jason, if people want more information on you, uh, maybe want to head up that way, do a little fishing, maybe hire you for a guide service, or just see what you're up to, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
4: Well, I tell everybody I'm an open book for anyone. So feel free to call if you just want, you know, even general information on fishing, anything. Uh, My phone number is 218-252-2278, or you can find me online at go-fish-guides.com.
1: There you go. Jason Durham, Go Fish Guide Service up in the Park Rapids area. Jason, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're really busy to uh, talk to us, and hopefully we'll have you on here real soon again, okay?
4: Hey, really looking forward to it, Brian.
1: More of Branded Outdoors after this on B93.3. Whether it's for fun, sport, or hunting, if you love to shoot, you know it's important to go to a gun shop that has everything you need. That's Freedom Firearms in Brainerd. Freedom Firearms isn't a huge gun shop, which means Russ, the owner, attends to his customers. They carry rifles, shotguns, pistols, suppressors, distance precision rifles, plus ammo and accessories and gunsmithing. Plus, they offer $25 transfer fees. Buy, sign, or trade at Freedom Firearms, two blocks east of the historic water tower between Little Caesars and O'Reilly. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3 and we take a glance at our events calendar and coming up March 6th through the 8th up on Lake Bemidji is the NAFC which is the National Association of uh, Ice Fishing Circuit and uh, the National Qualifier Tournament is going on up there and we're lucky enough to be joined by Brady Loudon Brady is the Assistant Director for Visit Bemidji Brady, welcome to Brainerd Outdoors
3: yeah, hey, it's great to be here. It's nice to be on, Brian. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about this tournament uh, because it's it's a three-day event. You get the registration there on Friday the 6th of March. And then the uh, high school tournament, which is open qualifier on that Saturday. And then the final national qualifier for the uh, perch tournament, and that's coming up on Sunday, March 8th. We'll get into that here in just a bit. But first, wanted to talk to you about fishing up there because you... Uh, when I asked you how you wanted me to intro you when we were talking off air, you said, uh, you know, obviously assistant director for Visit Bemidji, but you said, all, all I really do is just fish.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. I, I live for fishing, so Visit Bemidji supports my fishing addiction, so that's why I live in Bemidji. So. That,
1: that's awesome. Well, it's a good place to live for that, no doubt about that. Um, how's fishing been up there here in the last week or so?
3: Uh, You know, the fishing's been churning on. I know that with uh, basically those ice conditions, we've had some kind of sketchy ice conditions with that slush, but it's actually been very cold, and so that slush has kind of frozen up, and it's been able to get anglers out on the ice. Um, I would say that the fishing, uh, the perch fishing on Lake Bemidji has gotten very good. I've been told that it's on fire, actually, and it's only going to get better going into um, closer to spring and stuff. So uh, very excited about that. Um, We're hearing reports... uh, on local area lakes that the walleye fishing early in the morning's been pretty good uh, it's kind of typical what you'd expect and stuff but yeah we're uh, pretty optimistic compared to what it was the last few months so
1: you know we talked to jason freed a lot on the show matt brewer they talk a lot about pout fishing up there as well uh we might be okay. just a, a tad early for that but that's only going to get better here coming up too
3: yeah, yeah, the freshwater lobster. It's always fun to go after those as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic that that would be good as well. So,
1: do you have a favorite species you like to go after?
3: Ah, uh, I do. I, you know, I guess it depends on the season. Um, I would say that I it's really fun to go after smallies in the summertime. Um, I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, I went over I went to school over for college in uh, Wisconsin, and I went for salmon and uh, brown trout steelhead or people call them rainbows here but um i really like fishing for salmon but that's not technically um minnesota species as much you can talk about coho on lake superior and stuff but um yeah i love salmon fishing so
1: ice fishing season or are you a perch guy is that your thing
3: uh i prefer perch um i really enjoy crappies and when you get those a uh, school of crappies it's really fun to go after those as well but i would have to say jigging for walleye on upper red lake um, it's hard to beat that early ice. I did really well the early ice season this year. So I would say
1: walleye. Things are pretty quiet, though, right now on red, huh?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think it's slowed down quite a bit, and ice conditions have been kind of uh, questionable and stuff. But, yeah, I definitely took advantage of that early ice, but, yeah, it's definitely slowed down. So.
1: And other things that we've talked to uh, Matt about, too, up there, and that is, you know, you think about, Bemidji in that area people should not sleep on some of those panfish lakes up there because those can get really good here in the coming weeks
3: oh absolutely there's a lot of hidden there's a lot of hidden gems we have uh 400 lakes in a 20 mile radius of Lake Bemidji and so there's so many little lakes that people just don't know about and they're kind of way off into the distance and so um yeah the the purge bluegill crappie there's some sleepers out there you just have to work to get to them and stuff.
1: So. so there you have it, and uh, obviously, as we've said many times, Bemidji is a destination for people to uh, to do fishing, not only for uh, ice fishing, but open water as well. I do want to talk about this tournament, uh, Brady, yeah. because it's yep. coming up March 6th through
3: the 8th. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so um, Jack Baker is the president of the association. He'd reached out to me and asked, what is the opportunity that Bemidji could hold this national qualifying perch fishing tournament on that Sunday? And I said well, let's make it happen, Jack. It's the first time it's ever came to Bemidji. And so, uh, yeah, we're very excited to be hosting it. Um, Friday is going to be that registration. Um, Then on Saturday, there's going to be that kids' ice camp happening that morning. Um, And then along with that high school fishing tournament. And I kind of like to talk about that kids' ice camp because it's kind of a cool little thing that we have going on. It's basically where anyone can participate um, as long as you're like 12 years and older. It's free to so anyone that wants to sign up for that. And basically, you get introduced to the professionals in the ice fishing industry. They do a seminar inside at the Hampton Inn and Suite. And then basically, they take them out on the ice and they teach them how to fish. And then each um, child will be receiving a, um, a fishing rod along with that. So it's really a cool cool event, that ice, that ice camp. And then there's also going to be that high school tournament happening where you have um, anyone in the high school tournament can sign up for that. That's free. The top five places for that will be receiving a chance to go to the championship, and then they'll be able to get uh, a chance of winning uh, scholarship money for uh, school. So it's really a fantastic opportunity.
1: That's for sure. Hey, back to that kids' ice camp for a second. You might have mentioned this, Brady, and I just missed it. Is there an age restriction on that? Uh, it's 12 and up. 12 and up. Uh, Twelve. Ages of 12 and up, yep. So there you go. And the high school tournament itself, does Bemidji have a high school fishing team up there? Because I know here in Brainerd we got one, and they're pretty popular right now. Yeah,
3: I actually know the bar. if you're referencing the Bar brothers, I I know them pretty well. Um, But uh, yeah, Bemidji does have a high school team, and so it's something that we're trying to encourage uh, local anglers to be participating in. I know I wish I had this when I was in high school, so (laughs) I think those high school teams are becoming uh, pretty popular in town.
1: Yeah. that's that's good to hear. Now, on that Sunday, March 8th, that's the final national qualifier, and this is an open qualifier event as well.
3: It is. Yep, it's an open qualifier, which is really cool because basically the local anglers probably know Lake Bemidji better than people that are going to be coming across seven different states to participate in this tournament, and so they have a chance to be able to go against these pros, and then um, this is, you'd be winning cash prizes for this. So basically... The amount of people that participate in this um, tournament will dictate how much that cash prize is going to be for first, second, third, and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's really cool. There's going to be teams coming from Minnesota, Montana, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois. Um, A lot of people will be coming from different areas. So it's kind of a cool thing for Bemidji.
1: And is this tournament something how long has this been going on this year? Have they hit quite a few destinations and then this is just one stop on the destination or is
3: Yep. You got it. It's uh it's across the ice belt. So there's um like the states that I had just mentioned before, they going from there's about I would say twelve to fourteen different tournaments throughout the entire year and so Jack Baker's on the move and so I mean, we're talking about going to Yellowstone um, being in Okadobe, um, a lot of different places. So, um, yeah, that answers that.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, and, and do you think if everything goes well, this may be something that could come back to Lake Bemidji on a, a regular basis?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. We're trying to get this on a yearly rotation and actually we're looking at some summer opportunities to try to get some more, um, summer terms coming to Bemidji as well. So, yeah, I think, this is kind of the test year. We want to see how it goes. But we'd like to make this a really large community event um, for the town as well.
1: And we do want to mention, there's also a meet and greet hosted at uh, Hampton Inn and Suites coming up on that uh, Friday night, March 6th.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's going to be that meet and greet. And so we're hoping to have some professionals in the industry be there. We have local guides, like you mentioned, Matt, um, Dick Beardsley, um, Jason Rylander, maybe Chaz Dubayas. We're going to try to reach out to local uh, professionals in the industry and say, hey, here's the opportunity to meet some people in the industry, which would be really cool for the younger kids and people that want to get involved in the outdoors to have that opportunity and stuff. So
1: So if people want information on all of the events going on that weekend, uh, Brady, where's the best place they can get that?
3: Absolutely. So you're going to go to uh, Jack Baker's website, which is www.naifc.com slash register and that's how you're going to be able to get registered on that website to be able to be a part of this uh, tournament if you just want to go to nifc.com you'll be able to see that information that jack has put up there for the entire tournament up-to-date results where they're at right now and all that we're also going to be coming out with a new visit bemidji website within about the next two weeks and so be looking for updates on that as well um, we're currently o- overgoing a transition at visit bemidji so um, we're looking forward to that as well.
1: Is there a social media component to this too?
3: Uh, yes, we, we, we're posting updates on Facebook, and we're hoping to go live as well for the tournament and stuff. So I'll definitely be on the ice and be talking to anglers. And it's uh, so One thing I should have mentioned is they're going to be um, using snowmobiles, ATVs, they won't be able to use vehicles for this uh, tournament. They'll be using portables. So. They'll be going all across the north side of Lake Bemidji, the south side. As long as it's on Lake Bemidji, they can go anywhere they want.
1: It's going to be a fun event. Uh, You can check it out. It's coming up March 6th through the 8th, and that is the uh, National Qualifier of the 2020 North American Ice Fishing Circuit, otherwise known as NAIFC. And uh, if you want more information, NAIFC.com. And also visit Bemidji. You can check that out too. Brady said they'll have some updates coming here in the coming week for that. Brady Lawden, he is the assistant director for Visit Bemidji. I really look forward to this event, uh, Brady, and uh, we'll look forward yep. to ch- checking it out and uh, talking to you here real soon.
3: Thanks so much, Brad, for having me on.
1: More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and a little interesting topic. Uh, we're going to go off the beaten path a little bit this week and talk about uh, something that I don't know necessarily if a lot of people know we have here in the state of Minnesota, and that is an elk population. We are joined by Doug Frankie. He is an area wildlife supervisor with the Minnesota DNR up in Thief River Falls. Doug, welcome to Brainerd Outdoors. Glad to be here. T- tell us a little bit about this elk population. We've talked briefly about it uh, on the show a few times, but it seems to be growing, which is a, a good thing.
5: Yes, uh, it, a lot of people are do misunderstand the fact that we have elk in Minnesota. We have for uh, many years, uh several decades in fact, uh, kind of started out with the elk herd in the Grigla area. Its early start was back in the in the 80s and so the it, it kind of waxed and waned over time and eventually the, there were some elk that came out of Canada up in Kitson County as well and they established uh, three different herds uh, along that area so it's it's continuing to expand uh they are doing it mostly on their own and uh we'll, over over in Gregla we that population is is shrinking so the, the elk populations have kind of waxed and waned over the years
1: and for those that maybe put a geographical thing on this this is mostly in the northwestern part of the state almost the extreme northwestern part right
5: Yeah, that's correct. Mostly limited to Kitson County primarily. Some in, they overlap in the Rosa County. And then, uh, of course, the Grigler herd in Marshall County. So it's just kind of a very isolated uh, small
1: area in the Northwest. You mentioned there's three different herds. You mentioned the Grigler herd. The other one is, I believe, the Caribou Vita herd?
5: Yeah, that's what we also nickname our border herd. And that one crosses back and forth from the Canadian side of the the border to the minnesota side and they're quite often uh in minnesota during the winter um, but they they spend quite a bit of time in canada as well just literally uh, less than a mile across the border at times
1: and you mentioned they're increasing their population albeit slowly but uh they're doing it pretty much on their own does that surprise you guys a little bit
5: well, not really. I guess you know when we get uh, an elk population to where they're at, you get enough cows, the population can overcome natural mortality They're hunted on a limited basis in the on the border. The border herd uh, is is hunted very limited. The Kitson County herd is still hunted they're They're under a management plan to keep the elk herd between uh you know fifty and sixty animals for the Kitson County herd and then the grigler herd is 30 to 35. Uh, so we, we, we do operate under a management plan and we hunt them when they uh, exceed those levels. And so the, the elk population in Kitson County is, is starting to have enough cows where they can reproduce and, and overcome natural mortality and expand uh, their population. This past year, uh for example i 'll go to the Grigla herd first, and that that one has is is shrinking over time we're we're just at fifteen animals, which is a fairly small number uh, It was as high as fifty to fifty five animals in the uh, mid 2000s uh, so that one's have is struggling over there the the Kitson county Lancaster block, as we call it uh where we have elk in three different locations, their population was at 75 this year. Two herds there was 75 animals, and then the border herd, we were actually able to get a survey done with the Canadians again. So we survey them the same day, so we count both sides of the survey or the both sides of the border, and that was at 100 uh, and. Twenty-six animals uh, total between both sides. Of course, only seven of them were in Minnesota at the time, so they they can really wax and wane number-wise.
1: That area up there, I mean, is it pretty conducive habitat for elk compared to what you know they have in the western part of the country where they thrive?
5: The elk are an open landscape species, so for the most part, they they do very well in this transition from prairie to brush. And you know, historically, before human or mostly, um, I guess, white settler settled the area, the elk were very common all the way to central Minnesota, mostly on this western edge in the open. They're not, a, not traditionally a forested species in this part of this, this country, so it's, it's, a, it's a good mix of, of habitat for elk, and they have quite a bit of habitat they could expand into.
1: A couple more things before we let you go, Doug. We're talking with uh, Doug Franke. He's an area wildlife supervisor with the Minnesota DNR and Thief River Falls and, and our elk population, which people don't really know a lot about here in the state of Minnesota. Are you getting a little bit of blowback, though? I'd imagine there's probably some landowners and some farmers up in that area. Are there issues sometimes with elk causing some damage up there?
5: Yes, there, there's documented over the years where uh, elk can... Uh, as as other wildlife species in Minnesota have, you know, they cause depredation, as we call it, to uh, elk primarily are standing crops in the summer, and sometimes stored forage in the winter, where people have hay or other stored forages, and and that program is is monitored quite closely. There is compensation for the damages uh, that elk cause on agriculture. And that's administered through the uh, Minnesota Department of Agriculture. So there is there is some compensation program for it right now and I, you know our goal is to keep them away from agriculture when we can and uh, help those uh, farmers understand elk you know, movements and help out on a depredation program. Yeah, pay attention to the website. You'll be able to apply for some permits this next year. It's a once in a lifetime hunt like the moose hunt was and uh so that's yeah look for it's a great opportunity they're one of the largest elk subspecies in north america so there's some really nice nice elk in that herd
1: some good stuff from uh, doug frankie He is the area wildlife supervisor with the dnr up in thief river falls and kind of uh shedding some lights on our elk population here in minnesota which a lot of people i'm sure do not know we have doug i appreciate you taking the time to talk to us it was good stuff and uh, i'm sure we'll talk to you down the line
5: Yeah, you're very welcome, Brian.
1: Take care. And that'll put a wrap on this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. We stream the show live as well on our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Just click on the Listen Live tab. And wherever you download your podcast, you can find Brainerd Outdoors as well. And we thank Freedom Firearms for helping us out with our podcast. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors.
0: I'm Brian Moon. Brainyard Outdoors has been brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, s Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Ice Sports Custom Fish Houses, Burmal Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at Five, right here on B93.3.